Hi everyone and welcome to Gloomy Tales, the mini episodes of Bloom and Gloom that are slightly more off topic, slightly more unhinged and probably a little more of my opinion which no one asked for, but here we are. Bloom and Gloom is a podcast about the dark side of plants and this week's main episode was Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm? The case of a woman who was murdered and buried inside an elm tree. Our focus plan in accordance to this was elm trees, so I figured it was the perfect opportunity for Gloomy Tales to cover the horror film franchise, The Nightmare on Elm Street. This franchise has been a favourite of mine since my early teen years. I'm not usually really a slasher person. I like them, but I'm definitely more of a psychological thriller type breed. But Freddy kind of hits different. It's much more paranormal and psychological, which is more up my alley. I actually have a little tiny Freddy Krueger tattoo. I did genderbender Freddy for Halloween costume a couple of years ago. Live for it. Horror films are what October is all about. My husband and I try and catch up on all the movies we have absolutely no time for in the rest of the year. It's a great time. And this one is a classic. I rewatched it for this episode, but full disclaimer, I've never seen the 2010 remake or Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I haven't seen Freddy vs. Jason for like 15 years, so some of this we are learning together. That being said, let's get into the episode. Nightmare on Elm Street was directed by Wes Craven and released in 1984. It's super iconic and really introduced audiences to the idea of the dream world being full of potential horrors. With a modest budget of $1.8 million, it struck terror into the hearts of viewers, becoming a box office sensation. It grossed over $25 million domestically and $57 million worldwide. Its success catapulted Freddy Krueger into horror legend status and spawned a beloved franchise exploring the chilling intersection of dreams and reality, which kind of set the stage for a new era of horror cinema. It's like the OG spooky Inception. Wes Craven has gone on the record saying that he was first inspired to create Freddy Krueger when he read an article in the LA Times about a Cambodian family that immigrated to the US after the Vietnam War. The youngest boy in the family was apparently terrified to sleep and was sure when he did that something was chasing him and he was going to die. This led him to force himself to stay awake for days at a time and he eventually died in the middle of a nightmare. There were also apparently other similar deaths of people from Laos and around that area. One even included a man who was found dead in his cupboard with a coffee maker and a bottle of sleeping pills that he had not used. The deaths were not connected, but were inexplicably close in their circumstances. According to Collider.com, they eventually attributed these deaths to something called Sudden Unexplained Nocturnal Death Syndrome which exclusively targeted young men between 20 and 30 of Hmong ethnicity. Sometimes paramedics arrived before these people actually died and found the patients to be in severe tachycardic episodes. There are many theories behind this, including poor diet and possible chemical agents from the war, but most of them have been debunked because it doesn't make sense for them to only be affecting men. The Hmong people themselves believed it was punishment from spirits, for abandoning their homeland. Personally, I think this sheds a bit of light on what the actual case might be. I honestly think it sounds like a possibility this could have been a mass psychogenic illness, like the dancing plague or TikTok Tourette's. 
I think the fear of this could have been perpetuated by the cultural group, which may have led to people depriving themselves of sleep because of this fear and potentially acute panic disorder type situations where eventually sleep deprivation combined with this panic could lead to hallucinations and possibly cardiac arrest. I don't know, that's my I'm not even a nurse yet diagnosis. But it was pretty serious. So between 1978 and 1981, there were 13 of these unexplained deaths. Then in 1981, there were 26 sons' deaths altogether. It's still unexplained to this day, and it's a pretty wild inspiration for a film franchise. So the first film in the franchise introduces us to the quiet suburban town of Springwood, where a group of teenagers is plagued by a series of horrifying nightmares featuring a disfigured man with a glove adorned with knives. This is Freddy Krueger. Johnny Depp, of course, made his acting debut in the original film, and he apparently got the part because Wes Craven's daughter thought he was cute. Charlie Sheen was originally cast, but was too expensive for the budget of the movie. Freddy is the central antagonist of the series, and he apparently was named after a bully Wes Craven knew when he was young. He was a child killer who, due to a legal technicality, escaped punishment, and the parents of his young victims took justice into their own hands and burned him alive in a boiler room. And this was the origin of his nightmare-looking form with all the burns and scars all over his face. Wes Craven actually specifically didn't want to put a mask on him because of all the major slasher villains at the time having masks, and he wanted him to be a little bit different. So Freddy's vengeful spirit lives in the dream world, where he can torment and kill people through their dreams. He's a big on-screen presence, despite having less than 10 minutes on-screen time the entire movie. As the nightmares escalate, the teenagers realise that they share a dark secret. There's a content warning here for abuse, so skip forward if you don't want to hear probably about a minute. These teenagers were all preschool children who were abused by Freddy when he was alive. Now, this is never explicitly stated in the original film. It's kind of implied, but the murders became more of a focus in this story. Apparently, that was actually because of pressure from the film studio on the writers. They found child molestation too confronting, so thought just straight-up murder would be better. The other thing that was going on at the time was the McMartin preschool trials, which were also happening, so it's suspected that they might have thought it was a bit insensitive as well. A significant portion of the law revolves around the dream world, a realm where Freddy Krueger has the power and control. In dreams, Freddy can take on various forms and manipulate the environment to terrify and harm his victims. If he kills someone in their dream, they die in the real world. Some individuals possess unique abilities within the dream world, which they can also use to combat Freddy. These powers vary from character to character and can include telekinesis, super strength, and even the ability to manipulate the dream environment as well. Freddy's power is directly linked to fear and nightmares. So as long as people fear him and remember his name, he can continue to exist and haunt their dreams. This aspect of the law emphasises the psychological and emotional trauma caused by Freddy. In the end, Nancy manages to bring Freddy into the real world and seemingly defeats him. However, Freddy's glove is shown ominously pulling her mother through a window. So Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, was released in 1985, and this second instalment follows Jesse Walsh, 
a new teenager in Springwood who moves into Nancy's old house. He begins to experience terrifying nightmares involving Freddy, and it becomes evident that Freddy is attempting to possess Jessie's body to attempt to return to the real world. As Jesse struggles with Freddy's control, his friends attempt to help him, and the film kind of explores the theme of sexuality and repression as Jesse battles the malevolent spirit within him. Ultimately, Jesse manages to expel Freddy, but the evil entity remains at large, setting the stage for future confrontations, which of course we know do happen. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, that was released in 87, so two years later, This is the third instalment, and Kristen Parker, who's a troubled teenager, finds herself in a psychiatric hospital after repeated nightmares about Freddy. She meets other patients who share her experiences and learns about a mysterious nun who used to work in the hospital. Together with a group of fellow patients, Kristen discovers that they possess unique dream powers and forms a team known as the Dream Warriors. Okay, guys, content warning again here for R.A.P.E., They attempt to confront and defeat Freddy in the dream world, and the film then kind of delves into the backstory of Freddy, revealing that he was the son of a nun who was repeatedly raped. The dream warriors put up a valiant effort, but not all of them survive. In the end, Nancy Thompson returns to help, and they manage to bury Freddy's remains in consecrated ground, seemingly ending his reign of terror. Or at least that would have been the case had there not been Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, released in 1988 one year later. So this movie picks up with the surviving dream warrior Kristen and her friends who are still haunted by Freddy Krueger. When Kristen dies in a nightmare, her friend Alice inherits her dream powers, which allow her to pull friends into her dreams. Freddy returns once again and starts picking off Alice's friends one by one. Alice then must harness her newfound powers to confront Freddy. The film kind of emphasises the themes of self-empowerment and inner strength as Alice transforms into the Dream Master. She ultimately defeats Freddy by confronting her own fears and self-doubts. In the following film released a year later in 1989, Alice and her boyfriend Dan are expecting a child. However, Freddy Krueger returns through the dreams of Alice's unborn child, Jacob. Freddy seeks to use Jacob's dreams to return to the real world, and Alice and her friends become targeted by Freddy again. She basically must protect her child to find a way to stop Freddy. And the film kind of explores the themes of motherhood and the connection between Alice and Jacob. In the end, Alice confronts Freddy in a nightmarish cathedral with the help of the spirits and her friends. She manages to vanquish him once and for all, seemingly ending the nightmare. Or so we all thought, until 1991. So this is a few years in the future. This instalment has a new protagonist called Maggie Burrows, and she works in a youth shelter in Springwood. The actress who played Tracy, Leslie Dean, actually started experiencing flashbacks while filming some of the scenes in this movie, which, if you don't know, is a very common symptom for PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. It's actually unbelievably frequent that people don't remember or recall certain events until being placed in a similar situation, which activates those fight-or-flight pathways. And the theory is that that's how it can sometimes uncover unpleasant memories because you're following that same pathway in your brain. So the scenes that were triggering Leslie were about childhood abuse, and it must have recovered some pretty awful memories 
because she remarked that it was quite traumatising at the time, but it did present her the opportunity to confront some of her trauma. It must have been really difficult for her to experience that at work as well. So in the movie, it's revealed that Freddy Krueger has murdered all of the town's children, leaving only one survivor called John Doe. Maggie and John then travel to Springwood, seeking answers about Freddy's past and how to stop him. The film goes through Freddy's origins in a bit more detail, revealing his name, Frederick Charles Kruger, and his abusive childhood. Maggie ultimately discovers that she is actually Freddy's long-lost daughter and uses this connection to confront and destroy him in the dream world, which actually does end him for real this time. Now, Wes Craven's new nightmare was released in 1994, three years later. I haven't seen this one, but from the plot descriptions, this is what it was about. So it blurs the lines between fiction and reality. It follows the actress Heather Langenkamp, who played Nancy Thompson in the original Nightmare on Elm Street film. So she's haunted by nightmares of Freddy Krueger, and she learns that the nightmares are becoming all too real, and that an ancient evil is trying to break into the real world. From what I've read, the film kind of goes into metafictional elements as it delves into the idea that Freddy Krueger is a malevolent entity that exists outside the movies. So Heather, with the help of Wes Craven, confronts and defeats this evil entity, bringing a sense of closure to the franchise. So that sounds kind of meta and pretty cool. I must eventually get around to watching it. So then obviously they had Freddy vs. Jason in 2003, I remember when this first came out, and it's definitely much more of a classic slasher than what I would say the original Nightmare on Elm Streets are. And it's a crossover between the Friday the 13th franchise, obviously, and Nightmare on Elm Street. So Freddy Krueger, who is now powerless in the dream world, seeks to use Jason Voorhees, the iconic slasher from Crystal Lake, to create fear and chaos in Springwood, thus regaining his powers. However, Jason proves uncontrollable, leading to a showdown between the two iconic horror villains. The film features an intense battle between Freddy and Jason, and the surviving teenagers are kind of caught in the middle. In the end, both Freddy and Jason seemingly meet their demise. Now, there was a remake in 2010. I have not seen this remake either. But apparently it kind of reimagines the events of the original 1984 film, It follows another group of teenagers and explores their efforts to uncover the truth about Freddy's past and stop him from tormenting them in their dreams. The remake maintains the core concept of Freddy Krueger haunting teenagers in their dreams, but with some modern updates to the story. And that's all that we have from them so far, and hopefully, I want to say forever, I hope they kind of just leave it as it is. They've done as much with it as they possibly can. Wes Craven actually called New Line Cinema the house that Freddy built because of the success it brought to the company. They went on to produce things like Lord of the Rings and many more famous and really super expensive franchises. So anyway, there's a little informational taster to get you in the mood for some scary movies this October. Thanks for joining me. This has been A Gloomy Tale from Bloom and Gloom. Please rate, like, share, subscribe. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok or listen on YouTube and head to the show notes for all the links. Have a gloomy day.